Hello, and welcome back to the Butler Sports Affair, the show with all the bar athletics you can handle. I'm your host, Ethan Pollock, and today I'll be joined later by my rotating panel of Jake Kaufman and James Andrews. But first, let's run down some of the headlines and topics for today's show. Today will be an extra special episode as it will be a Big East basketball special with the conference tournament right around the corner. So to start off, we'll discuss how the Butler women's basketball team could shock the world in their last chance to get their first win in the Big East. Next up, we will preview how the Butler men's basketball team might have a chance to pull off a similar Cinderella run in the Big East title just like Georgetown did last season. And finally, star forward for the Butler men's basketball team, Bryce Golden, joins me to discuss his wild journey to Butler and how the team is preparing for the Big East tournament this weekend. For our first meal of the day, we will gobble up the latest news from the Butler women's basketball team. Okay, so we're going to be jumping into our first part of our podcast here today. Everybody get your basketball shoes ready because we're going to be jumping into our basketball segment of our, uh, or at least first basketball segment of our podcast here today. That's me starting off with the women's basketball team. And to help me here today, we have our usual and our uh, women's basketball manager here today, and that is Jake Coffin. Jake, how are you doing on this fantastic Friday? I'm doing all right. It's uh. We took a week off from at least this part specifically, so it's going to be back on this, you know, talking about this Big East tournament, which is obviously exciting, even though it's been a difficult thing. I know everyone always gets excited when the Big East tournament comes around, so yeah. All righty, so you said it. We're going to be talking about the Big East tournament today because the Big East conference is officially over for the women as uh, they were unfortunately unable to come up with a single win in the Big East conference this season. Tough loss after tough loss, just continue to just keep racking it up. And this year, they were unable to do it in the regular season. Still have a shot to do it here, excuse me, in the uh, in the Big East tournament, which is going to be starting today at 4 p.m. at March, which we'll get or on March 4th, which we'll be getting into a little bit later. But for now, it's been a little while, as you said, that since we've covered the team, they've played eight games, believe it or not, since we took a week off, off and they've been playing a ton. And once again, tough loss after tough loss, as I've said, but uh, the ones that obviously stand out, um, big a big loss against Creighton. That was a rough go for everybody. But I think the one at Seton Hall is more significant because that is who Butler is going to be playing um, at the Big East tournament uh, today. So, uh, Jake, since you've been kind of following the team a little bit more, what happened in that Seton Hall game and what did we all miss? Well, um, it's actually interesting because they had played Seton Hall a couple of weeks earlier in a game that was at Hinkle that we could I could talk about more later but basically the thing is that i think Seton hall got confused about is that um in that first game they had like an unknown player or not an unknown but like Seton hall's third best player played like their best player um her name is uh andrea espinoza hunter and she went off completely so i think their scouting report was designed a lot to take her out and not really thing so they allowed um a senior by the name of sydney cooks to have a career high 35 points on um 15 for 20 shooting so that really to hurt that dog, the dogs as well. And um, Lauren Park Lane, who's their dynamic guard, had a, a double double of 17 points and 18 assists, which was a school record. So I think obviously those two players doing that was thing. And then offensively, there was just another struggle with um, turnovers. They obviously they also didn't shoot. I mean, yeah, they were five for 27 from three, which is you know not going to get done. 37% from the field as a whole. 14 turnovers, which for them isn't a lot, but when you consider that uh. Seen Hall only turned it over six times. It's a big gap and everything else. And just also, 
besides Selena Tabor, no one really got into rhythm. Uh, Selena had Tabor at 15. The next closest was Alex Sutru with nine, but um, only having one person in double figures while you're allowing the other team to shoot 50% from the field is it's difficult to win that kind of game. Exactly. I mean, even with that, uh, Seton Hall has been quite possibly the best team in the Big East during this stretch as they've been nine and one here just in the last in their last 10 games. And so a rough team to be uh, going up against to start the Big East tournament because they are absolutely red hot coming into this one. I mean, uh, or sorry, they were nine and one just in February. So this this team is coming into March as like I said, one of the hardest teams to face. So it's going to be a tough, tough matchup here for the Bulldogs to be able to end up playing them. So, uh, but before we get into that, I'll, I'll save the uh, whole Big East tournament talk just for a little bit. I'll make you guys wait a little bit longer here uh, because I want to talk touch a little bit more on our final game of the season because it actually was our senior night game um, against George on here at home uh, inside Hankel Fieldhouse. And so, Jake, you have a little bit more on this, right? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, besides, you know, the excitement of, or like the how they honored, they did a little celebration for the game, which was nice. And um, as something I was talked to before, they, they did start all three seniors in something, which is not something that doesn't usually happen. I mean, I don't think it was going to, regardless, and it's senior night, I think that. But um, and all two of the seniors played pretty well. Selena had 10 points her, of her own. Amelia Sexton had 11 the other senior whose name is Ellen Ross, unfortunately didn't get to score, but um, they just, they had a lot of, they had 24 turnovers that game. It's just like, um, uh, sorry, excuse me. Georgetown got up 15 more or 18 more shots than them while shooting so much better. And again, that's really going to hurt you when you're only, when you're only getting up 46 shots and not shooting well from them five or 17 from three, it's really hard to win these kinds of games, especially like the, tw- the 24 turnovers. Again, that's just a really high number specifically Trinity white had eight of them. And that was really what hurt them. And more than anything is like the shootings, their shooting wasn't like that, but the 24 turnovers and just, a lot. They also allowed a lot of offensive rebounds. Let me check on the exact number here. Yeah, they allowed eight offensive rebounds. And it's just like a lot of the things, issues we've seen throughout the season were present in this game for senior night. I think I was present for that game, and it was still pretty electric because all the parents and the families of all the different players were there. And to see them be able to go cheer them on, honestly, I thought was just really, really cool. And Maybe we'll see the Bulldogs play their final game inside Hinkle Fieldhouse, which is so sad, especially seeing Selena Taborn uh, have to graduate after her historic season um, of how, being able to lead the entire NCAA in field goal percentage, which we thought might go away at some point. But um, she still leads the NCAA at 68.8%, which is awesome to see for Selena. So a great way to go out for her and then great way for the other seniors to be able to get some more minutes and be able to start a game. Awesome, awesome game for the uh, for the women and being able to do that. So, but that's going to take us now to the Big East talk of our uh, of our talk here in our podcast. So, we're going to be talking now about the game against Seton Hall, which start, kicks off today at 4 p.m. on Friday. And so, in this tournament, Butler is going to be ranked as the 11 seed, um, and they finished last in the Big East uh, overall in standings. They'll be playing the six seed Seton Hall Pirates. And so this is going to be the third time they played them all season long. Both games, Seton Hall was able to win. And like I said earlier, Seton Hall coming into this game, 9-1, one of the red-hot teams. Um, so with all these 
things like overall uh, for this game, do you think Butler has a chance to maybe get some magic going, you know, and maybe win their first tournament game since 2018? I, the thing for me is that I don't, obviously, I don't think Seton Hall is the best team in the Big East, but I think they're one, they present one of the toughest matchups for Butler. And I think them being on a roll makes it really tough because, like you said, they were 9-1 and one in February. They have shown recently that they've won in multiple different ways. They haven't just been relying on Lauren Park Lane. They've had... They have three players that average over 15 points a game, which is very good. So that's the part that really concerns me. I also just think that, you know, our team is with a team that has a lot of freshmen like ours do. We haven't actually played that many. We've been fortunate. We've played way, very few games on the road total compared to what we were supposed to. So, and they, so I really don't, I think that dynamic kind of things, but I think, you know, if they're the things, the biggest keys, if they were, if you don't want to make it close is you have to let, you have to, Limit Lauren Park Lane either from scoring or assist. You have to take one of those elements away. Again, defend the three-point line, which has been an issue for them the whole season. Limiting the turnovers. I mean, that's something that's just given. And then I think for that one, you're they have to try as much because Seton Hall is good as they are. They're not big. I think you have to try to go to, into the post as much as possible. Whether it's Tabor, whether it's City James, whether it's Alex Richard, whether it's whoever. That's the one thing that has Butler has found success against Seton Hall in because they're a pretty small team relatively, at least compared to other teams of the Big East. So those are the big keys. But I mean, it's going to be difficult. I'm not going to get, count them out, but I just think that, you know, Seton Hall, in addition to being a good team, just is, is a tough matchup for them because they really can shoot. And Butler has had a hard time this season defending three-point shooters. Absolutely. And so with the struggling uh, three-point line, at least being able to hit those uh, deep shots, you think they could be able to try and get down low with Selena Taborn and Tenley Dowell and who have been outstanding in the paint and getting all the rebounds. So you think they could try and be able to put some more factors into that and Selena Tabor, if they, she can get going, you think they uh, be able to make it a little bit more of a game, right? Yeah, I just think that, um, the, I think the thing that's difficult is that especially that when you've played a team twice and you're a team that has had a hard time discovering your identity throughout the course of the year, it's difficult because teams now know that, or like you can kind of get the sense of tendencies especially, and I know coaches like get the tendency, they can tell like what, if you've played a couple of times, what makes like opposing players scared or uncomfortable. And I think they have figured out that out pretty well. Like they did a really good job in the first game. See Selena Taylor in a huge, big, big first half in the second half, they just basically prevented her from getting the ball at all. So I think the thing is that like, if Butler really wants to win, they're not going to just need them to be good, but they're going to need to have to find different ways to get the, their best players open, which I think is something that, you know, is more important, doesn't get talked about enough, but because when teams go into a locker room for the half, they're, they're changing up the coverages. They're not just keeping everything the same. So if they can find a ways, whether it's like a misdirection, a bunch of screens just to get any post player open, that's going to be the big key. All righty. And so one th final thing too, as well to note is that this team has had so many different uh, starting lineups. It's just been a five Five women shuffle every single week. We're going to have a different one because they've had 17 different starting lineups over the 27 game season with just changing people in and out every single day, including obviously the senior day. Um, but literally with all these different uh, changes and the different uh, starting lineups, it's always harder for players to be able to get some sort of chemistry. But hey, I, I think that's something to note, but there's got there's some positivity here in the fact that yes, that Butler has struggled all season long and being able to do this, but I think that might be able to use their advantage because Seton Mall might come into this game with their guard down and Butler may be able to kind of shock them, maybe hit some 
uh, D3s maybe get the ball down low to start to Selena, get her that red hot uh, first half like they did in that first game that they, like you mentioned earlier, and be able to try and continue doing that and just kind of feeding her down low. And then once they try and zero in on that, find your three-point shooters. And then um, since they've been practicing that, that's one of them, been their main things they've been doing all season long. Give it to those uh, those girls who can be able to hit it on those deeper shots. And so I feel like this team has some sort of hope to be. I know people might be already doubting them and counting them out, but you can never count out an underdog. So, and I think that's how the Bulldogs will be riding in this tournament once again. And so, hey, you never know. Always keep your hopes up. So any final remarks before we uh, move on to our next segment, Jake? Yeah, and I, I mean, the quick. I have two quick, quick things, but um, the first one, I think that, you know, like the point you pointed out, the shooting is that like, I don't think that, I mean, at time, I mean, besides the turnovers, at time, they haven't always, uh, they've had six times where they've generated good looks and just haven't gone in. And obviously that's not something you can really predict beforehand, but if they do generate good looks and, and people are able to step up and knock them down, I think a big candidate for this is Kendall Wingler. She has, like everyone has flexed around the starting lineup, but to me, in my opinion, is the best shooter on this team and also can get the most hot. So I think if she gets in, she could hit a few in a row. Then this, that actually might be a game because she's electric. She, uh, she's because I'm closer with her. She had a 60 point game in high school before she ended up going here. So I'm not saying that's, that's awesome. going to happen, <laughs> but yeah, but I'm saying is that, you know, you need someone, I think that, you know, in this kind of game, you just kind of have to, for sure, regardless, I think this kind of game you have to, it's just not any track record about how anyone's played previously shouldn't matter. It's whoever's playing the best in that game should be who's finishing the game, who's doing that kind of thing. And I think that's obviously something that happens a lot in Big East tournaments, both on the men's and women's side. Got to be able to find who's hot and who's not. So, but that's going to be all determined here, obviously, at this game. Uh, then to be starting today, the 11 seed Bulldogs will be taking on the six seed Seton Hall Pirates in the first round of the 2022 Big East Championship Tournament. If they do end up winning, they'll be able to play the three seed Creighton in the quarterfinals. They have to be able to win their first game, and this game will be broadcasted on Flow Sports. So make sure you go cheer on the Bulldogs uh, today and hope that we can maybe pull off some magic. So, But that's going to do it here for our women's basketball section here of our very fun basketball section. So continue to keep getting warmed up as the men's basketball team talk and uh, deep dive into how the, or the Butler men's basketball team might have another shot to make another miraculous run in the Big East tournament. Alrighty, so now moving on from the women's basketball team, we'll stick with basketball because obviously that is our big theme of this episode here today. And now we're going to be jumping into the creme de la creme, as I call it every single week, and that is the Butler men's basketball team. And so um, I'm bringing the energy because it's going to be a little bit harder to talk about this year because or this week since Butler's been on another losing streak, one of the many ones that we've had this season. Um, where this week they went out and lost two straight on road games. They were a little bit more tough since both teams were actually receiving votes in the AP top 25. Um, neither of them were ranked, but they were receiving votes. I mean, they're just below kind of like in a 26 to, uh, I believe like 30, uh, team range, but still receiving recognition for how good they've been this season. And so, uh, the two teams they played were Seton Hall on the road and Marquette on the road. Both games were very, very close until the end. None of them were blowouts just yet. Um, first game, they lost 66 to 60 second game they lost 64 to 56. So overall, just a really close game, but still rough go for the Bulldogs. And so we got one more game left this season and the biggest tournament is right around the corner. So tell me, talk about all this craziness in uh, Butler basketball. I'm going to be joined now by my wonderful, uh, co-host in James Andrews. James, how's it hanging today? 
Thanks, Ethan. I'm great. Uh, I wasn't sure where you were going with that. You seem to just be going on your whole little monologue there, but then you brought me in. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. You know, I'm doing well. I wish I could be there in person with you as normal, but, you know, I'm working on an ESPN telecast right now. So, you know, I'm not going to lie. That's pretty sweet, but I'm still, you know, keeping an eye on the Bulldogs and seeing what they're up to. And just because you're not in Indianapolis can't mean you start can't uh, continue to keep on cheering for the Bulldogs. So, um, but yeah, so sorry, sorry if I jumped right too or too much into it. But like I said, Butler two game losing, or I believe it's now a four game losing streak overall after the losses before that against St. John's and Providence, which we're still not happy about. And we talked a lot about that in last week's episode. If you want to go check that out, um, but for now we're going to focus on. First game, which was on Wednesday, February 23rd in the Seton Hall game, 66 to 60. James, do you have more on this? Yeah, I mean, I thought you said it well, very well in your intro that you know we've been losing just a lot of tight games recently, and it's nothing like it was at the beginning of the season where it's like, you know, five minutes into the game, it feels like we're already out of it. These games are going wire to wire down to the end, but we're just still just not pulling out these victories. And it's just so many games now. I think we're up to, what, six or seven games where you could say, oh, if a shot falls here or if this shot doesn't go in for them, you know, our, our record might look completely different. Uh, you know, we played really well at Seton Hall. Bo, in particular, played phenomenal. He had 25 points, and yet I thought that was kind of our biggest um, letdown in that game was not going to him more. He shot the ball 10 for 14, three for five from three-pointers. I mean, when you have a guy score 25 points, I don't want to see him do it on that efficient shooting when you're struggling to score the ball, because if he's playing that well, I want to see him take 20 shots, 25 shots. And that was really the problem is Bo had another great first half. Like we've seen him do so many times, but then they really just went away from him and they really weren't even giving him touches too. I think that's the most concerning thing is you obviously don't want a guy forcing up shots, but he wasn't getting the touches that he really should have been. Um, NZ had 12 points in that game. He was the next leading scorer and everybody else behind him, the next guys up were at seven. So, you know, there clearly just wasn't a whole lot of production behind Bo in this game. And just that was kind of the difference is nobody else really stepped up and we couldn't get him enough touches down the stretch. Yeah, I think that the first half was amazing because it was tied 34-34. They were just trading buckets or buckets, especially since Bo scored our first eight points uh, to start the game, which was pretty crazy just to see him go out and say, this is Bo's back in. His first half game, just this entire season, have been absolutely spectacular. But then in the second half, things began to fall apart. Seton Hall went on a 20-2 to run um, with six minutes and 35 seconds remaining. And Butler was able to try and sneak their way back into it and make it a three-point game at one point with three minutes or three minutes remaining. But just those runs, I feel like that, uh, like the 22 runs where the Temple guy gets switched and the shots aren't falling. I think we just, if we try and limit those, that is that has been our big issue. It's like kind of like the second half, right around like the 15 minute mark, and uh, where the endurance begins to kind of slow down for us, and our shots begin or begin to not fall, in and we start taking some uh, some more uh, like more contested shots. And I feel like there's some better op- opportunities that they should be able to be doing, like trying to actually set up some inside looks for Bo, especially like you said, like when he's shooting this well, try and give it to him and let him see what he can have because 10 of 14 from the field is pretty darn good for any college basketball player. Um, and 25 points is absolutely very good. So, um, but like I said, they couldn't be able to come up with it in that game. And so we thought, Hey, there's maybe a chance we'll be able to go and sweep Marquette and we'll be able to brag about since we were the reason why they are no longer ranked after we beat them at home inside Hinkle. But this time we had to travel to Milwaukee to go play them. And, uh, 
things didn't go as planned either in that game. So 64, 56 point loss. Marquette wins this one. James, what went wrong in this game? I mean, you could just kind of take the audio from the first clip and just run it back there because it was almost the same story. We had a great first half. Things were looking up, but then just like you said it before, we just fell apart in the second half. The defensive intensity just wasn't quite to the level it was in the first half. Then what happened? The offense went stagnant again. Just too many possessions that were just going way down into the shot clock. And when you have that, it's just tough to, you know, get good looks. We're throwing up too many contested shots. You know, we still turned the ball over 16 times. And at least this time it was very spread out. So, you know, it was a lot of different guys doing it. It wasn't, you know, coming from one or two guys. Um, but, you know, Bryce Golden played great in that game. He really held us in there with a couple of big three-point shots. But other than that, it was a really slow night for Chuck Harris. He actually didn't score on 0 for 6 shooting. So, you know, I think you just need more people to step up. It's kind of the story every game. Thompson played a lot better in this game. But, you know, our two favorite guys, Seamus and uh, Jada Taylor, uh, weren't really that as evident in that game. But at the same time, you know, maybe they could have played more minutes over someone like a struggling Chuck Harris. So, you know, it's really tough. We played them well defensively, you know, 64-56. That's your typical Butler game where we're, you know, holding them down. And, you know, Marquette has a very explosive offense, as we saw the first time when they came here to Hinkle. So, you know, all in all, it was still another pretty impressive game for us, you know, considering we've talked about how good of a team Marquette is. And I think, you know, they're a team that has a shot to run the table come uh, come conference tournament time in New York. So there is no shame in, you know, an eight point road loss. But again, this is a game that felt like it just slipped away that we could have gotten. Yeah. And Marquette is a team that is beatable since we were able to do that. But when you're shooting 17% from beyond the arc, you're not going to win a basketball game, especially when you're relying on the three points or on the three point shot late in the game, like we usually do. Um, And so, like I said, Chuck Harris, rough game, couldn't score any points, but uh, when you got a guy like Darren Morsell, who's a two-time winner of the, I think, defensive player in the Big Ten, um, this guy is pretty good, and you had him locked him, locking him down the entire game. Um, things are going to usually be a little bit more rougher for whoever he's going up against. And so uh, credit, credit to Marquette for being able to get away with this one. But once again, the Bulldogs fall just short and now are looking at the standings right now. Uh, things aren't looking as good as because currently – the Bulldogs are actually tied with DePaul um, for 10th in the uh, in the Big East, Con- or excuse me, ninth in the Big East Conference right now. Um, and so currently, Bulldogs do hold the tiebreaker since we were able to sweep DePaul. Um, but we've only got one game remaining in this or in the schedule. Butler has to play Villanova at home, who actually didn't even win the conference. Fun fact is. I'll just touch a little bit on this since the Providence Friars actually won the conference. Congrats to them on um, a hum- crazy season and being ahead of Villanova. I could not have guessed. We kind of hinted that they might have a chance earlier in the season, but congrats to them on being able to lock up the regular season title. And so they'll be hosting the one seed, but for now we got to focus on ourselves and try to figure out what seed we're going to get. And currently it's looking like um, Butler's going to be playing Xavier uh, Maybe uh, we're getting some hints to last year, uh, last year's Big East tournament. But yeah, crazy, crazy standings right now, I think. Right, James? Yeah. I mean, you look around and it's just every team has, you know, win one, lost one, win one, lost one, because it's so competitive that, you know, nobody can really pull away from anybody. Even, you know, the third and fourth best teams are just 12 and six. And then, you know, some of the other best teams are just hovering right around 500. Uh, I, I mean, you know, 
a lot of good teams are in the middle there with Villanova two, UConn three, Creighton four, Marquette five. That's really the group you kind of want to avoid uh, in New York, or at least you don't want to have to play all of them. If you have to play one or two of them, you're really hoping that, you know, somebody else knocks one of those that guys out because it will be a bloodbath if all of those top teams, you know, make it to the quarterfinals and the semifinals and then end up playing each other. Yeah, but first of all, uh, you know, we do have to, this Villanova upcoming game is going to be very important because we are now tied with DePaul. We have the tiebreaker over them because we beat them twice, but they are starting to get hot too. They've won their last three games and they beat Seton Hall and Marquette actually kind of ironic that we weren't able to beat them. And I believe they also beat UConn as well. So, you know, they beat three really good teams uh, to go on that streak. And so, you know, they are going to, or no, excuse me, they did not play UConn. They're going to play UConn in their last game of the season. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on them as, you know, we need to beat Villanova and then they're, or they need to beat UConn to see who got, um, is going to get the ninth position in the standings. And that's very important because as you mentioned, um, Xavier's kind of locked into that eight spot now. And so whoever finishes ninth will play Xavier in the first round. And then they'll play um, the winner that will play Providence in the second round, which in my opinion is a much easier draw that if you fall back a spot and then you have to play St. John's in the first round, and then you have to play either Villanova or UConn in the second round. And I think that is a much rougher matchup. And then if you were to do that, even if you were to beat Villanova in the second round, then you would have UConn or Creighton in the third. So that is kind of the, really the area you want to avoid. So definitely keep an eye on DePaul UConn uh, this upcoming Saturday. We'll all be rooting for UConn in that game, just in case we don't take care of Villanova, but hopefully we take care of our end first. So I believe that is a noon tip. We're the first of the big East games that day. Yeah. And speaking of the Villanova game, uh, we magic was in the air last season. Do you think uh, the uh, is it the Bulldogs can be able to pull it off again this year? I mean, we beat Jay Wright um, with the same, pretty much the same squad that we had this year, and so there might be some vengeance in him trying to come back after maybe getting some revenge on us. But I think that Butler, if we win this game, we secure that nine spot and secure, like you said, the the better matchup that we want in Xavier since we were even able to beat Xavier in the Big East tournament last year. We were the reason why they didn't even make the tournament. So we'll have another opportunity to try and knock them out of the tournament, meaning meaning the March Madness tournament, not even the Big East tournament as well. Um, We'll be able to chance to do that this year. So maybe I'm really hoping, but do you have any, uh, any opinions? Do you think the Bulldogs that stand a chance? Oh, absolutely. You know, you never count us out of a game against Villanova at home. And, you know, last time we played Villanova, I mean, they absolutely just stomped us. And that's got to be just one of those things that it's almost embarrassing for you, for the players. When you do get beat, you know, 82-42 and your score is almost doubled, even though it was on the road to one of the best teams in the nation. I mean, you never want to do that. This is a team that, you know, Butler feels that they belong on the same court as, you know, we don't look up to Villanova as the school that's, you know, won two national championships in the past few years and has all these great players and this great coach and Jay Wright and this great program. We see this as the Villanova that we've beaten three out of the last five years. All right. Now we're trying to make it four out of six and I don't see any reason why we can't, but the key is you have to card on Colin Gillespie or yeah, if you don't stop him and you let him get going and then get everybody else going, it's going to be a long day. And that's kind of what Villanova did to us last time. They just, they played good basketball. I mean, they just really moved the ball well. They took what the defense gave them, but then they just waited. But they were constantly, you know, making things happen on offense. They were cutting, they were going through their sets, and then they just ended up finding themselves with easy baskets, you know, time and time again. And so it's really going to be important to kind of put some more pressure on them and not let them just 
you know, run their offense the way they want to. Yep. I will be, I think uh, there's one thing for sure is that Hink will be going, oh, will be going bananas. Hint, hint, wink, wink. But, um, so <laughs> for the biggest standings as well, like I said, Butler sits at nine. We need a big win, um, out of them this week. And then we have to travel to New York city to go play at Madison square garden for this biggies tournament. Um, if we do end up playing, uh, Xavier, do you think that we could be able to pull off the same magic we did last year too, as well? Yeah, I don't see why not. You know, we played them earlier in the year at home. It didn't go great, but that's, you know, kind of, that was towards the back end of our really rough stretch. And then, you know, we played them again just a few weeks ago on the road. And you know, that was one of the games where we only lost by two and we really could have won that when they're down the stretch. So, you know, when we go to neutral core, I don't see any reason why we can't, you know, beat this team. It's going to be important to get our offensive guys going. You know, Chuck Harris has really loved to play against the Xavier team in the four or five times he's been matched up against them. So hopefully that's a good sign that he'll come out playing well. Then we really could use some other shooters, either CMOS or Jaden Taylor to get going. We're really going to need some three-point shots to fall. But I think if that happens, then I think there's anybody has a shot. You know, Zach Fremantle, he's a very good player, the big on Xavier. But a lot of times he just doesn't impact the games as much as he would want to. And that's because, you know, we can throw doubles his way. We can send uh, um, Golden some help down low or uh, NZ, whichever one is matched up on him. So you with Xavier, you're talking about Paul Scruggs is their uh, point guard. They're uh, either senior or super senior there. So you really got to stop him. And then you got to make sure he doesn't get the offense going. You know, it's very much the same way with Villanova. You, you can let their bigs operate. You know, if they want to go one-on-one with their bigs, you, you got to just give them that. But then you cannot let the shooters get going. You have to make sure your perimeter defense is uh, still tight and that, you know, you're not just letting their point guards penetrate and just get into the lane. Absolutely. It will be cheering them on regardless. But once again, this Big East Conference has just been <clears throat> just absolutely insane this year. Eight of the 11 teams have been ranked in the top 25 AP poll at least once this season. And most of them have gained the respect of the committee. And I believe seven teams are currently predicted to make March Madness this year. So big, big year for the Big East Conference. But we'll see what the Bulldogs can do. And the only way they could secure their bid would be through the Big East Tournament. So this has been our preview of the Big East Tournament for the men's basketball team. And so that's going to do it here. And now we're moving on to our next segment. And we're going to stick with the men's basketball team because we actually I would have like to a give special... one more shout out, Ethan, if we have. Oh, absolutely. Feel here. free to do that before I go. Yeah, I would like to shout out the starting point guard for the number or, or for the regular season Big East winner. That'd be Jared Bynum on Providence, the guy who had zero first half points against Hinkle and then had a pretty good second half and, you know, was kind of rubbing it in everybody's faces and everything. But, you know, I just want to congratulate him. His Twitter is at JB Dimes three. That is JB Dimes three. <laughs> so if you want to, you know, just go congratulate him or, you know, just do you send him a message, you know, whatever that message may be, you know, that's his Twitter. You can go find him there and just hit him up. So, you know, just, just for congratulatory purposes only. Oh, I'm sure Bynum will be thrilled to get some more uh, Butler Bulldog fans coming at his, coming at his feet and congratulating him about winning the big East or regular scene. It's not even the, uh, not even securing a bit just yet into the tournament. So, but thank you. Thank you for that little, little bit, but now we'll uh, finally we'll transition to our special guests here, staying with the men's basketball team as the star forward Bryce golden was actually able to join us. And so now we're going to be jumping right into that right here. 
All right, now we're going to be moving on to our final segment here, and this is going to be with one of our special guests here today. I'm here with Bryce Golden, our star forward and man with a glorious beard. I wish that I could have had something as amazing as him. So, Bryce, what's poppins? Not much, man. Appreciate you guys having me on here. Um, I actually used to do a podcast over quarantine with my brother. So oh, really? I'm okay. familiar with the game a little bit, but I'm glad I could be a guest on here today. Okay, so a little, little bit different, I guess, for you guys to come on as special guests. Don't have to do too much uh, podcasting. But, hey, you got experience, and we'll, be, uh, we'll just kind of jump right into it. So um, like I do with all the other athletes, I'm always curious about how you guys always got into the game. Obviously, you played basketball now, but I'm always curious – when did you first pick up a basketball? How did that all go? Was it like, were you five years old? Was that always like your first choice of, um, yeah. as a sport? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's funny when people ask me this. Like, I always tell them that, like, my journey into basketball is probably the most generic, <laughs> you know, stereotypical type introduction. Like, uh, I grew up with an older brother who plays basketball at the University of Richmond right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, like it was like Christmas Day and we got like a Fisher Price basket and like ever since then it's just kind of taken off from there. Um, my dad played basketball in college. Unfortunately, he got he got pretty sick in college, had a kidney transplant, but uh, he was on the same path as we were until it got cut short. So that's kind of just always been our family and something that we love to do. And I played all the sports growing up, you know, soccer, baseball, football. But once I got to high school, basketball is really the one that stuck with me. And here I am now. So. Were you always, uh, since you are six foot nine, that's pretty tall. Were you always that tall going into like high school or did you just kind of like have a weird growth spurt? Like how did all that all go? Yeah, fortunately, I think it was better for me not to have that like growth spurt spurt because like (laughs) I feel like that I was always just kind of like taller than people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like funny when you just see kids like, you know. You see them at the at the beginning of summer and they're six one, and then you see them, you know, when school starts after, and they're like six four, six five, six six, or whatever it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm fortunate enough uh, to not have that happen to me. I was always just kind of the taller kid um, growing up. My brother was always the same too. So yeah. Well, so then obviously you two were both tall. I always got to ask, how the heck were those pickup games growing up? <laughs> like, were you guys just on like probably in your backyard, or just on the driveway? Yeah. No. Exactly. Like it was it was nonstop growing up. And not even just in basketball, we were just competitive in, in everything. It was like, you know, first one to eat their breakfast in the morning or first one to finish, uh, you know, their homework or whatever it was. We were always just trying to outdo each other, you know, <laughs> growing up in, the, in those silly childhood games and, and whatnot. But, yeah, basketball was definitely where there was a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears between our between our battles. Uh, he still usually gets the best of me nowadays, but oh. <laughs> I put up more of a fight than I used to back when we were eight, nine years old. So. Uh, so do you ever like you guys just do just one on ones all the time or you yeah like constant one on ones like games of seven one by two that was usually our rules best out of three or something like that Mm -hmm. so yeah there was plenty of and it's actually funny like we played one on one outside a lot growing up on our like outdoor hoop and then uh you know we'd play once we got older you know we both kind of were in different places at different times I was in high school and he was in college and then when I got to college I was out here and he was back home so we actually hadn't played one-on-one a lot until COVID happened. Uh, and then, like, we were back on the blacktop that we used to grow up on, like, playing one-on-one. So it was pretty cool to have that full circle moment. But, yeah, like I said, plenty of plenty of one-on-ones growing up. I had endless games. I can't even think of how many we played. But You win the last one that you uh, – last time you guys played, you, you ended up winning that last I one? I think I did. Now, he probably – if he was on here, he'd probably say something different. But <laughs> I think I did get the, the best of him in the last one. We were – it was on, you know, the neighborhood blacktop, like, right before I came back to school uh, in the mm-hmm. summer of 2020. So 
I mean, there's, there's no there's no stat book or no official thing on that, but <laughs> I like to say I got the win in that one. Okay, I like it. I yeah. like it. It's awesome. So I'll jump back to like just talking about like high school. And so obviously you were like a four star recruit going in and at least on ESPN, a three star on like 247. So you were like highly recruited. And yeah. So I always got to ask, how the heck did you choose Butler, like the school just in the middle of Indiana? How'd you end up here? How'd you get like dragged into here? This is actually like a crazy story. So I was committed to Pittsburgh. Uh, I forget when I committed, but before my senior year, I don't remember when exactly. Mm-hmm. But my whole senior year of high school, I was committed to Pitt, and uh, they weren't they weren't good, and they were, were having a, a tough season. I think it's a year. I don't know if they won an ACC game that year, mm-hmm. so it was tough. And I had heard some things that. By the way, is this water mine? Is it yeah, you can take it. Absolutely, I can take it. I appreciate it. But um, uh, they had a tough ACC go, and I think they might have won a game in the ACC tournament or something like that, and something happened, but. Uh, once they end, they lost. I forget who they lost to, but um, a couple days later, like I woke up. It was spring break in high school too, mm-hmm. so I woke up. I was at my mom's house and just like scrolling through my phone, like on Twitter, like a normal Wednesday morning on Saturday <laughs> break, and I saw that uh the coach of Pitt uh, who had recruited me had gotten fired, and like I didn't have like no like preface that this was about to happen or it was definitely going to happen or what was going on. And I kind of just found out when everyone else found out. And, uh, yeah, it was like a pretty, like, I, it was like close to when I was about to graduate high school and start my collegiate journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing that was like a shell shock and I just didn't really know what to do. And I talked to my high school coaches and we kind of, once I settled down a little bit with the situation, like I reopened my recruitment and, uh, it came down to Butler, Syracuse, Illinois, and Georgetown. And I'm be honest, like Butler was, was probably like my last choice. Like I didn't really <laughs> think much of it, like. Um, I had met with Coach Beheim and Coach Ewing and uh, a bunch of other people. And Bo was honestly probably my last choice. It was my last visit. I took a visit to all the all the other places, and Bo was my last place. And uh, something that really – I like all the coaches, like, when they were recruiting me, I talked about basketball, basketball, basketball. That's all I thought about. And I remember Coach Laval called me. Um, I, I went to a boarding school, so I was in my dorm in boarding school. Mm-hmm. But he called me, and we had, like, an hour conversation just about, like, you know, life, like nothing basketball or anything like that. And like that, those things mean a lot to me. So I ended up taking a visit out here and, uh, I fell in love with that. I fell in love with, with the team, Indianapolis, Butler, Coach Val and the assistants and all that. And I definitely figured out that the, this is where I was supposed to be all along. So now I'm here and here we are four years later. So <laughs> a little wild, uh, wild ride, I guess, exactly. or a wild, wild journey, just being able to end up here and, uh, inside Butler and trying just to be able to choose and play and obviously the wonderful uh hinkle field house so obviously once you fir- finally did commit and finally did eventually join the team so i've i've kind of done a little research and i saw that number 33 i know you and your brother wear i know there's like some story about how you got that number why you guys wear that so i was wondering if you could maybe share a little bit of that so uh it's a long another long winded story here but um when i was in eighth grade and uh my brother was a soft more i want to say in high school yeah he's two years older than me so that makes sense but my dad had a kidney transplant his second one he had another his first one was in college Mm -hmm. his second one and uh it didn't it didn't go so great he ended up being in the hospital for it was like his transplant was actually on i don't remember how old i turned in eighth grade but it was on my my birthday in eighth grade and he was in that's in november and he was in the hospital until sometime in I want to say like the end of March, early April. So he was there for a while. And uh, during that time, like my mom really held us together. 
uh, the best she could. Um, and now she was there. She was gone a lot of the time too. Uh, being down there, I lived in Winchester at the time. My dad was down in Richmond, um, in their medical centers. And, uh, she really held us together. It was a tough time. Like essentially my brother and I kind of just like lived on our own for that time. Like oh, wow. f- getting to school, figuring those things out, uh, you know, where our next meal was going to come from. Like we didn't have our mom cooking for us and stuff like that. He had his permit, so he couldn't like drive or anything like that. <laughs> so, but you know, during that time, she always came home every weekend and we would spend Friday evening together all Saturday. And she'd leave us a couple bucks on, on, on Sunday when she went back down there. But, you know, that's just a tribute to her kind of her, her mom's favorite number was three. Her favorite number is three. So just a tribute to her and kind of, you know, holding us together through that tough time. Uh, Grant and I both decided to wear 33. So, and then when I got here, I, I heard the story about Joe Cornette mm-hmm. and how much he met to this program and, and all that. So I ended up calling his brother Jordan and at getting his blessing to wear the number. No one had, or I think no one had worn it since he passed away, which I, don't quote me on this, but I want to say it was 2015 or 2016, it was 2016, I think 2016 around then. And no one had worn it since then. So I called his brother Jordan and talked to him about it. And um, he kind of gave me I told him the same story and he kind of gave me his family blessing. So here I am wearing it. And, you know, I wear it with a lot of pride, not just for my own family, but, you know, the Cornette family as well. I know how much uh, uh, Joe meant to the program and, and being here. And he actually played with Coach Val and hearing Coach Val stories about him. He Got a lot of similar personalities, so I guess if, if someone had to wear it, I'm glad it's me. So that is awesome. So just being able to like it shows how much like just a simple number and the backstories. I always just love hearing about it and uh, being able to hear a little bit more about the backstories. And so I guess we'll uh, I'll just keep moving on about talking a little bit more about this season as well because I feel like you've been like people have been not giving you as much credit as you deserved. I mean, you got like with the record of six and thirteen in conference. Like even despite that, I feel like you've had one of another outstanding, like another one of your outstanding seasons. I think, especially in your three point shooting, um, yes. because personally, I think you've been automatic from the top of the key. So I was like, always wondering, like, is that something you've been working on in the off season, or how do you feel? Like, is this kind of like a prove your haters wrong type of a deal? Yeah, I mean, you know, to that, I always knew I could, you know, make those shots. I think my biggest thing, you know, going into this year was just kind of getting over the mental blockade of shooting them and like being able to shoot them and having confidence in it. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize how, how big of a role that plays into everything sometimes, you know, and you know, that lack of confidence can come from a million different things at a million different times. And you're trying to, you know, worry about making a shot uh, when you got so many things going on and uh, you know, kind of just working on that, you know, just obviously I needed to tweak some mechanics and stuff like that and, and reps never hurt anyone, but that was kind of just the biggest thing for me is getting over the mental blockade of it, you know, and they're not all going to fall. And if you miss one, you know, there's always going to be another opportunity to knock one in. So, yeah, that's something, I, like I said, I always knew I could do since I stepped in the door here. But uh, I'm glad that it's, it's finally coming to fruition, you know, in my senior year here. So, well, uh, first senior year, I guess, with the COVID <laughs> year. But yeah. Um, but like I said, you've, your three point percentage has gone up like every single year. I'm like, shoot, is it going to just keep, keep on, on going? going. You start <laughs> shooting 50 percent at this point from the three point line. But like speaking of just getting better too as well like I was wondering like since you've been able to start shooting more threes I think ever since you've gotten here um like is there been any like player that you've modeled your game off of the most of and like has helped you develop for the most part that's a good question um I mean I'd have to think probably just like I think uh and I want to butch his name when I say this but (laughs) actually when we went to Chicago uh Mm -hmm. to play the Paul we went to a Bulls game 
and I had been a big Vujovic. I think that's how you v- say Vucevic, it. Vucevic. Yeah. Vucevic. <laughs> Vucevic fan, like, ever since, like, I, you know, you just kind of think of, like, people that you compare to and play. And he, you know, he plays a lot like, or I should, I play a lot like him. He's, you know, a lot of mid-range jumpers, you know, threes, can do work down on the post and stuff like that. But, like, seeing him in person, I was like, yo, that dude is definitely, like, what I'm trying to be for sure. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think, think that's my, my biggest comparison when I think about, you know, someone that's doing it at the highest level. Um, definitely Vucevic. And uh, I'm still going to butch that regardless. But, you know, he's definitely been a big inspiration in my game. So Yeah, no worries. And then, like, obviously, if you were at a Bulls game. Are you, like, a fan of with certain NBA teams or, like, one team you always lean on? And obviously, you're from Virginia. So <laughs> right. Um, more of an East Coast, Coast guy, guy or is there? Shoot. Yeah, I remember like growing up, I was a big like Kevin Garnett fan and like those those Celtics teams with Ray Allen and okay. Paul Pierce. That was kind of like my thing growing up. But uh, I appreciate watching people that like do the absolute most ridiculous things. Like I've enjoyed watching John Morant this year. I've enjoyed watching Kevin Durant this year. Now, those are things I'll never do in my life. I don't care how good I get at basketball. <laughs> those dudes are one of a kind. But, you know, just when it comes to appreciating the game and, and, and you know, Knowing what hard look, hard work looks like and, and seeing it come, you know, at the highest level, those dudes are, you know, actually Kevin Durant's kind of back from my area in the DMV, and so he's always been one of mine growing up. So, so yeah, just watching those guys for sure. Absolutely. And then, um, I just like speaking of NBA, like just like looking at least one more year in advance. Uh, so like you, I noticed that you just actually, I mean, it's not you didn't announce it, but obviously the senior year or the senior game is going to be coming up this weekend. And I saw that you did kind of say that you're officially going to be coming back next year. So I was wondering, was like there much thought beyond decision is like a reason why you want to come back for one more year? Um, You know, I think that I'm not ready for the real world anyway. So <laughs> I, I'll enjoy college as much as I can. And, uh, and on top of that, you know, just, you know, I, my education went into it. I'll be able to get start a ba- or a master's degree and uh, get into that. Um, but, you know, basketball, I love this place. Um, this place has given me so much, so many opportunities on and off the court. This place has changed my life for the better. The same, the dude that walked in here four years ago isn't the same dude sitting here in, in, a, in a variety of different ways, not just as a basketball player. So, you know, I still got a lot to learn as well and, and definitely things, uh, just speaking basketball-wise, I want to polish up, you know, before I head out the door for sure, so. All right. And then like since they have the senior game on uh, on what is it? I think Saturday as well. Um, you have to say goodbye to I think six of the six of your guys on this team. So you guys because you guys are losing a lot. And obviously you guys have had such a close bond, including guys like A.T., who's been on your AAU team, I'm pretty sure, since you so you've known him forever. So I was wondering, like, what if you or how do you feel about obviously them now going to be graduating and seeing them go to buy like and since you've been a um, at least all, all of like AT and then just all the other guys um, that are on your team. Like, how do you feel having to finally, I guess, kind of say goodbye, but like not being able to play with them next year? Nah, those are my guys. Like, we've been through <laughs> a lot together, to say the least. Um, yeah, it's going to be crazy, man. Like, Bryce Enzi was here, came in the same day as I did uh, when I started my freshman year. That was the year he transferred. Um, I've known Aaron for. Eight years now, wow. you know, seeing him go out the door. Uh, Jair and Bo, CD. Hope I'm not missing anyone. And Mike, too. Yeah, Mike <laughs> as well. Uh, but, you know, those guys, we've been through a lot, man. And, you know, basketball is one thing. But those are my brothers, like, for life, man. Like, we've been through so much together. Uh, and, like I said, the hopefully we, we can push them out uh, the door with the, with the win in Hinkle Fieldhouse on Saturday against a good team. 
So, uh, but yeah, it's gonna be crazy, man. Like I said, like those, a lot of those dudes have been here since the day I got here, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna be coming back for a next year. Uh, but seeing them them finally head out is kind of a surreal and surreal feeling. But I'm happy for them. They put in, you know, countless hours, countless blood, sweat, and tears into the program, and they deserve to, you know, be sent out the right way. So. Absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping for a little bit of magic in the air this, this Saturday. And then, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so, and then on, uh, just speaking of like just getting ready for obviously the game's on Saturday, but you also got an even bigger game, um, coming up, I think over spring break, you guys will be playing on Wednesday in the Big East tournament. Um, since it's just right around the corner. So I was wondering, like, how are you guys getting ready to prepare for that? Is Laval like getting you guys working on anything in particular just yet? Or are you guys just still working on getting ready for Villanova? Yeah, no, nah, for sure. Definitely. We, we, our coach Val's approach and our approach to every game is, you know, not looking ahead. And we got a, a good team that will beat the hell out of us if we're not ready to play on Saturday. So, you know, we're looking to that. Uh, the Big East term is going to be here. Um, next week on Wednesday and we'll worry about that bridge when we cross, when we cross it. But yeah, definitely just focusing on Villanova. Um, we got, I don't know when this is going to come out, but a two day prep going, mm-hmm. going into it. And, and, uh, yeah, like I said, just being ready to perform at a high level and compete against them on Saturday at 12 o'clock. All right. And then obviously with the big East tournament too, as well, um, we saw Georgetown do it last year. I, I have to ask you guys as well. Do you think there's any special run coming in the mix, or do you guys think people aren't really talking about you guys just as much, especially headed into this Big East tournament? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, those things that those things are happening. That's what makes March March. You know what I'm saying? Uh, seeing things like that happen and having that magic in the air, and you know, it's not it's not the plays, and at this time of the year, it's the players. Like we're gonna have to have dudes make make big time plays and. We got dudes more than capable of making those plays for us. So, uh, you know, it's been done before uh, all over the country. And obviously we had a perfect example of Georgetown doing that last year. So it's something we've thought about, obviously, and, and something when the time comes to, to start competing uh, in New York City next week, we're going to be fully ready to compete. And, you know, that's our goal in mind. But we're going to take it one game as a t- at a time. Like I said, it's a one-game season at that point. Uh, so just win in advance and, and, and keep our heads on straight. So. Awesome. So, all right, that's that's all I have for you here today, man. So thank you, obviously, for hopping on me, Thee, and good luck to you guys this weekend. I'll be cheering you guys on, and hopefully you can get a big win and get some Hinkle Magic going tomorrow. For sure, man. Absolutely appreciate you having me. All right, so that's going to be moving on to our final set, or that's going to be doing it for our uh, guest with our special guest here, Bryce Golden, and now we're moving on to our conclusion. We've got, we've got a few shouts to some of our athletes across the bar athletics not yet mentioned in this episode. First off, shout out to the Butler baseball team as they have turned their entire season around. After losing their first three games of the season, the Bulldogs have rallied off wins in four of their last five games. Keep on rolling, dogs. Also, shout out to the Butler women's swim team as they broke a new school record in the 200-meter free relays. The team of Abigail Roberts, Alani Hightower-Bend, Issy Peterson, and Rachel Geller finished with a time of 1 minute and 34 seconds. Cherish this moment as you have officially written your names into the Butler history books. To finish it off with our biggest shout out of the day uh, for Barry Keene on the Butler men's track and field team after he punched his ticket to the NCAA National Championship meet last Saturday. The Irish national record holder in the 5,000 meter race will be competing in the exact same competition on Friday, March 11th. Make sure to tune in and cheer him on. All right, so that's going to do it here for our ninth episode of the Butler Sports Buffet. I want to thank Jake and James as well as Bryce for hopping on with me and 
creating such an amazing podcast as usual. So I hope everyone is ready for spring break as they look forward to being back here next week for some more Butler sports content. For the Butler Collegian, I'm Ethan Pollock. Go dogs!